0: Hey, good morning, uh, Freeway. Happy Easter. So good to be here this morning with you again online uh, live streaming. Uh, just want a little shout out. I know we've got Izzy and Ola uh, dancing and playing their instruments in their land room and participating. That's great. Uh, that Colleen and Dave Marshall, the Holmes family, uh, Bruce and Glenis Water, Beck Nixon, uh, heaps of people, whole list of people here that are online. Just want to say uh, g'day and thanks for, for dialing in, I suppose. Hey, let's pray and we'll get into our, our message this morning. Oh, Father, we thank you, uh, that here, Easter Sunday, uh, we get to just spend a little bit of time uh, celebrating, making much of, uh, the greatest event, the greatest day in human history, uh, the, the, the raising back to life of your son, uh, the securing of new life for us. And we just want to uh, say thank you, uh, and we pray these things in Jesus name amen uh, he is risen and I'm just as I kind of say that there's no there's no feedback here so I'm just kind of visualizing people scattered uh, in their various homes uh, responding he is risen indeed uh, and that would be your joyous response if you like millions of people all around the world uh, believe that Jesus is not just some uh, dead figure, consigned to human history, uh, someone just to mu- muse over or someone to consider uh, what his teachings were, maybe take them on board, he, a bit of good advice that he had to share with us, you know, things like uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, you know, Jesus said that, he? inspirational. But more than inspirational, he can be a living and personal reality in your life then you, like me, then you, like millions of others, then you, like the angel in our text this morning, can say with bold confidence, he is risen. And he is risen is a phrase that's echoed down through history, unstoppable for 2,000 years. He is risen is a claim that's transformed more lives uh, than any single piece of information ever shared before. It's transformed and enriched more cultures than any uh, political agenda uh, than any financial reform than any philosophy or ideology or revolution he has risen is a claim that's brought uh, more trembling and astonishment uh, more awe and wonder uh, to the human heart than the, than the fiercest ocean or the grandest um, constellation of stars and yet this history-altering announcement, this this paradigm-shifting, culture-reforming, heart-transforming good news is portrayed here in Mark's Gospel with what is just breathtakingly, uh, stunningly understated fanfare. The PR on this moment was woefully lacking. You would think that if you wanted to convince the world of the greatest miracle that ever took place, of any miracle at all, really, but the greatest miracle ever that changes how we understand uh, everything about our place in the world, that death does not have the last word on our existence, but rather God in and through the person of Jesus has conquered death's claim on us. Death has lost its sting. Death in its penalty and its power has been nullified, has been defeated. And standing over it is the risen Lord Jesus. Standing there in confirmation of every word that he ever spoke, of every claim that he ever made about himself. You would think if that was what was taking place, you'd at least have organised the local paper to be there. You'd have at least had some uh, impressive display of fireworks. Maybe Pink would have come in and sung uh, for us. The fire trucks there, planes flying overhead, police sirens. Maybe you should have had your key management people there, uh, a group that could clearly articulate uh, impressively and explain what had just taken place to this claim that he is risen. I mean, when Apple want to launch a new phone or Ford or, or a motor company want to launch a new car, they, they've got advertising, they've got fanfare around what's going on. But when, the, when Jesus rises from the dead to reverse and overthrow the claim and effect of sin on us, there is no elaborate description of how it took place, something that you'd expect to find in a narrative if, 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 it, was just, if it was just a storyteller writing a story, writing a fable, writing a myth. Jesus isn't even there at, at, at this moment. There's just a simple statement of fact from an angel who himself is underwhelmingly described as a, as a young man to three women who themselves have no standing in culture to be able to then go and, and retell, spread the news about this claim with any credibility. He is risen though has echoed down through history like a quake, like an audible EMP, this simple but profound fact has been spoken down through centuries and we've stood and stands forth against all, uh, counterclaims. He is risen is a truth that needs no assistance. He is risen is a truth, uh, that has in its capacity the, the, the capacity to endure by itself. The capacity to, uh, transform lives all by itself. You know, the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth, the man missing from this empty tomb, the man claimed to have been risen from death, uh, uh, was put to death under the collaboration of historical figures like uh, Pontius Pilate, Herod Antipas, uh, Caiaphas, the high priest, uh, in one of the most verifiable historic events that we know about. Not merely because of the volume of Biblical texts that are littered with eyewitness names uh, about the death of Jesus so that you can go, oh, yeah, that dude was there. Go talk to him. The biblical record of the, of the chief medical officer, the chief executioner, and, and, and pilot, the governor, signing off on the actual death of Jesus. The record of that his dead body was hastily taken uh, from the cross receiving no medical attention or care or treatment before it was locked away, sealed inside a tomb. The idea that Jesus kind of swooned or somehow faked his death is is laughable in the face of this. The record that his dead body was locked inside, sealed inside a tomb under military guard. And for the next 40 hours, for the next three calendar days, there it was. Jesus is dead is the biblical claim which is why these women are at the tomb, why they have come there. They've come to care for Jesus' dead body. The Sabbath had meant that Jesus had to be literally wrapped and taken straight to a tomb. No care or attention could be given to him. Multiple witnesses to all of these events can testify to them. So Jesus' death, and the place where he is buried are well known facts. They're not secrets, they're not mysteries, they're not things that they could have forgotten and maybe gone to the wrong tomb and, and discovered, oh nobody, I wonder what's happened. They are well-known facts. You can ask anyone. And that's what's going on. That's the central uh, piece of the conversation on the on the Emmaus Road. Uh that Jesus has been killed. Uh conversation going on between two disciples. One of them's outed, a uh, pass. he's named. Why is this guy named? Because he's an eyewitness. He was there and he saw what was taking place. And you can go and talk to him about what he encountered. And he and other disciples are walking along the road and they're discussing the fact that Jesus has died. And they thought he was going to be a Messiah. They thought he was going to be someone great. And as they're talking, Jesus himself comes along into the conversation and they don't know it's him. And he asks, you know, why the long face boys? And their response is like, man, where have you been? Are you new in town? are you not from these parts you've been hiding in a cave or something haven't you heard what's been going on jesus who we thought was going to be something is dead it's a well-known fact the death of jesus was trending the death of jesus was public the religious leaders wanted it public political people wanted it public everybody wanted the world to know that this man was dead and the bible is not alone in its commentary on the death of Jesus, the writing of contemporary historians recognize it. The Jewish historian Flavius Josephus, who wrote a uh, history of Judaism, wrote about 93 AD, refers to Jesus' death in chapter 3 of book 18. And then 20 years later, after Josephus, a Roman uh, politician, Tacitus, who wrote that Jesus suffered the extreme penalty, that he suffered death, and he calls the faith that emerged out of this event a destructive superstition. Lucian of Samosta, a second century uh, a satir- satirist, uh, wrote, The Christians worship a man to this day. The distinguished personage who introduced their novel rites was crucified on that account. Contemporary historians all kind of come together with the biblical account to agree that Jesus was crucified the encyclopedia britannica uh, calls uh, jesus the most famous victim of crucifixion summing all this up the historian h.g Wells says i am a historian i am not a believer but i must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from nazareth is irrevocably the center of history jesus christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of human history that Jesus died around 33 to 36 AD is beyond all doubt. And we read this morning that even his closest followers, those who had given their lives to serving Jesus and hoping that he was God's promised Messiah, hoping that he was going to deliver them into a new kingdom, a new blessing. And I'm not talking about his disciples at this moment. Those boys are back at home. They're cowering, hiding, wondering what it's going to mean, uh, trying to work out what's going to happen to them. Uh, because they were, you know, followers of this man that the Roman authorities and the church authorities have put to death. But these three women for who Jesus had transformed their lives with dignity and value that every culture to this point had robbed them of and every culture from that point on that denies that he is risen continues to rob people of dignity. They are there because Jesus is dead and they know it. But they are there because they wish to care for his body. They came seeking to grieve lost hope. They came seeking to grieve a lost friend. But they left trembling and astonished. They left transformed. Why? Because of the simple fact, the simple statement that Jesus is risen, sent a quake through their lives. What do you do with such news? Matthew's gospel explains to us that, that, that Jesus appeared to these women as they were on their way back to try and work out how they're going to explain this to the disciples, how they're going to explain this to Peter, that Jesus was alive and as they encountered Jesus, what is the appropriate response to this man? They, they worshipped him. In Luke's gospel, we get the account of the women's arrival and the disciples rather condescending receiving of their, of the news of, of this of this news that he is risen. Idle tales, they say, just silly women's talk, if you like. Nevertheless, Peter has to go see for himself. That's just the way Peter rolls. And he, like the other disciples, find an empty tomb and all the evidence that Jesus has just left the tomb of his own accord. There hasn't been some kind of grave robbery. There's no evidence of of a break-in, of things being trashed. He hadn't managed to kind of, I don't know, crawl out a back passage somehow, you know, trail of blood and bits of body parts disappearing into a hidden passageway. No, just a neat pile of grave clothes that Jesus no longer needs. All the gospels describe the scene of the empty tomb as one of serene absence. And we read that Peter went home marveling at what happened. And yet to this point, all he's heard is the testimony of three women, that Jesus has risen from the dead and he has seen an empty tomb. The two things that you and I get, a testimony about Jesus and an empty tomb somewhere with no body to be found in it. You know, all all of the Gospels all go on to record around, after this event, 13 separate appearances of Jesus after this moment appear to, to the women there. Then he appears to to Cleopas, as we, we spoke about earlier, and other disciples on the road to Emmaus. He appears to Peter in Jerusalem. Then he appears to the 11 disciples and then again to the 10 disciples without Thomas. And then after that, he appears to all of the 11 disciples with Thomas present. Then he appears to seven disciples by the Lake of Galilee. And, of course, he appears to all the disciples on the mountain where he gives the Great Commission. And Paul tells us that he appeared to over 500 people at once. And he also appeared to James, the the the, the brother of Jesus, the, the half-brother of Jesus. Jesus appears to his disciples again at his ascension, where he, as the risen Lord Jesus, ascends into heaven before their eyes to be with the Father. And that's where he remains to, to this day. And then finally, uh, Jesus appears to Paul on the Damascus Road. He is risen is no longer a claim in the absence of Jesus. He is risen has become a historically valifiable record. Eyewitnesses, people who encountered this risen Lord Jesus all of which you could try and explain away as Jesus followers uh, creating elaborate stories, as Jesus followers hallucinating, although it's hard to get 500 people to hallucinate the one thing at the one time, just to try and keep their movement alive, just to try and feel some deep connection with Jesus. But we know that this is not the case. It's intellectually lazy, intellectually dishonest to think this because it's simply not consistent With their own admissions, with their own records of skepticism around the resurrection, their own lack of faith, they had no plan B. It took something irrefutable to change, to change them, like the fact that Jesus was alive, that He did appear to them. An undeniable, unretractable fact that would see them all give their lives in defense of it. Every disciple saw, that saw the risen Lord Jesus, died under duress, died defending this truth. Sometimes people might say, well, 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 lots of people can deny a truth uh, just to, to, to get comfort, but not a truth like this, not a truth with the implications around our existence like this one. Jesus' own half-brother James died defending this truth. If anybody kind of knew that uh, something shady about Jesus, that, that, that his claims weren't true, it would have been his brother who did life with him all the way through. And then there's Paul, who found the idea of a crucified Messiah uh, coming back to life to be so offensive that he dedicated his whole life to eradicating this story and anyone who would dare uh, defend this truth. And Paul himself dies defending this truth. Why? Why would all these people be so radically transformed? Why do we have historic records of it? Because it's true. Because it's the only reasonable explanation. He is risen. He has risen is the greatest words ever spoken and they validate the claims of Jesus to have come into this world as the love of God, not to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. For whoever believes in this claim that Jesus has risen triumphant over death and over its penalty and over its power from sin, to them will the Father give a new quality of life. Life like the life of the risen Lord Jesus. Life that is eternal. Life that is enduring. Life that is full. Back in relationship with God that we were created to be. It's a claim far too wonderful to ignore because you think it's implausible. It's a claim far too wonderful to dismiss because you think it's idle tales. He is risen is the greatest claim that's ever come down through human history. And this Sunday, the question is, can you say he is risen? Have you heard those words in your heart? Hey, we're going to pray. I hope uh, your Easter Sunday is as meaningful and and as deeply significant as mine. We're going to finish our uh, time off this morning uh, after I pray with a new song. It's called Living Hope. Uh, It's new to us, but it speaks to all the realities uh, that this phrase, he is risen, speaks to. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, happy Easter. He is risen. Loving God, we thank you for this great phrase that's been recorded in your gospel. Here in Mark's uh, account of your resurrection, that he is risen. A great reality, a great truth that can uh, transform our hearts, that can give meaning to us uh in particularly in this climate where we are questioning a lot of things one transient truth uh that comes to us we thank you for easter for good friday and easter sunday and the death of your son on behalf of our sins his resurrection back to life that that we might share that life that new life with him oh lord we give you thanks for these things this morning we pray them in jesus name amen